0: Office Hours with Ernest Wilkins was recorded live at Mass in the greatest city in the world, Chicago, USA. Welcome to Ace Rodney, for the
1: This is Office Hours. I'm Ernest Wilkins. And I'm Alex Menocal. This week, uh, we are calling this episode Watching You Drink This Is My Entertainment, and uh, There is something primal about exploring the worlds in terms of pure oral gluttony, evaluating everything that's in front of you by asking, can I eat this? Can I drink this? What is it even made of? An infant, a toddler who just learned to crawl, puts nearly everything in their mouth. They're saying, is this food? If yes, eat. If no, keep chewing on it or spit it out. Even as adults, it seems like we're doing this to some level. There's some foods whose message is basically just, can you handle it? There's the Tootsie Pops, right? Remember that commercial? How many licks does it take to get to the center of the Tootsie Pop? The world may never know. Which was, by the way, the most frightening thing that I could conceive of as a child. Like, that was the first thing that really scared me when I was a kid. Because, you know, this is Cold War era. The idea of the world may never know. He's basically saying the world is going to end. Anyway... So there's things like the jawbreaker whose challenge is in its name, right? There's There was a pizza place in St. Louis when I was in college there where they offered a thousand dollar prize if you could finish their square yard pizza. The thing was all bread. It was nasty. I saw a couple people try this. Not recommended. Half the sushi places you walk into have a challenge roll or some, some kind of huge spicy wasabi roll, right? And any middle of the road steakhouse, you're, you're going to be bound to see something like a five-pound burger, which is free if you can finish it. For whatever reason, all over the world, we're constantly challenging each other with food, saying, I bet you can't eat this. It's some kind of food cultural handshake, right? And this brings us to the niche of challenge liquors. When I was a a teenager in, in Philadelphia, my neighbor, whose parents were Bosnian, shared a sample of bosnian moonshine right he said go get a teaspoon and i bet you can't even handle that i came back with a tablespoon and let me tell you i regretted that if you've ever had a friend order a round of fireball if you've ever uh tried tequila right shoot it lick it suck it right there's a reason behind that kirsch right the cherry liqueur from switzerland aperol we could go on and on and here in chicago we have our very own challenge liquor Malord. our guest today is sam meckling cultural cultural ambassador of jepson's Malord. welcome to the show
2: i'm very happy to be here thank you very much that was a very like fantastic like i felt like i was on an npr show
1: Thank you, thank you. Like I, the
2: cultural—we're gonna lay in some. Relief. I, I yeah. feel
1: like you're on an NPR show I, <laughs> all the time. So my question is this: It's if it's more if if Malort is about that moment uh, when a Chicagoan meets somebody who's never had Malort uh, and and pours a, a glass for him and watches them drink it. If that is the uh, the 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 real value behind malort who is your customer the person pouring the drink or the person drinking the drink
0: it's it's definitely both you know i think malort would qualify as like extreme vetting you know and so (laughs) like i mean i'm one of those people that thinks that they should have a table of shot glasses like at the airport when you get off the plane you know (laughs) you can't take it you know you gotta get back on the plane and fly back to st louis or whatever getting your passport stamped So the more customer, like you've got the exhibitionist type, you know, that likes to give it to their friends, you know, uh, and then you have someone who just drinks it because they just like it without any sense of irony. Mm-hmm. And those are going to be kind of the person who's like got a thirst for culture, you know. He's the, the collector of things, you know, and he's a little bit eccentric, you know, and his value proposition to his friend group is that he brings new stuff to the table. Mm-hmm. And so he's probably the guy that will take it with him when he travels, you know, and uh, he's the one, if they've got, like, a coed softball team and you, like, bunt or something like that, he'd be the one giving you the shot of Malort, you know. It's kind of, you kind of weaponize it in that sense, you know. <laughs> but it is, um, it does have a real cultural background. It's not something that was just invented for pain like last year. I mean, it's been around for over 100 years. So,
2: so- really quickly for the folks who haven't had Malort before or don't necessarily know, because we have, strangely, we have like two people in Australia that listen to this podcast. So shout out to you, by the way. Um, But can you kind of give us the brief history of Malort?
0: Yeah. So Malort came about uh, right before Prohibition hit. Uh, A guy named Carl Jepson was a cigar maker. He lived on the north side of the city. And for him, smoking cigars as often as he did, his taste buds were pretty shot but he knew that his old recipe of Malort from back home was bitter and brusque enough, as they say, that he could still kind of detect it, you know? So it's kind of like, I don't know if it was Beethoven that bit onto the frame of his, of his piano so he could still hear, you know? Mm-hmm, so it's yeah. like the last thing he could detect. Um, and when prohibition hit, you couldn't sell booze, but there was a provision in the Volstead Act that you could sell medicinal alcohol. You could go to Walgreens and get a prescription for a bottle of whiskey, you know? Mm-hmm. And so he figured, in his mind, what could possibly be more believable as medicine than this Wormwood product that he had? And he was right in a sense because Wormwood gets its name from the fact that it can kill uh, stomach worms. Hmm. And so back in the day, I doubt like the health department was as rigorous as they are now.
2: <laughs> Shout out to Upton uh, Sinclair. Yeah, so
0: <laughs> people would just not quite feel right or they lose weight or whatever. And if you could get a half a bottle of Malort down, you'd probably kill the thing that was giving you the trouble. So, So that's basically what, made it start, but after Prohibition, I mean, there's really no reason why it should have continued to exist, you know, because it kind of outlived its usefulness in some way, but by then, people had already woven it into their culture, and and um, it was just one of those things that was just uniquely Chicago, and um, yeah, we just couldn't let go. So,
1: so, it proves out the idea that it has an audience besides, uh, outside of its intended original audience, right? So, it's mm-hmm. quote-unquote gone viral. I mean, it's it's become a piece of the culture but it is more than just that uh that novelty right
0: people people really drink it yeah i mean it takes a special kind of person yeah. to, to enjoy it <laughs> you know um but if you just look like within other food trends like how they have like the like the the notion of like ghost pepper actually being used for flavor now when it was just like a challenge pepper mm-hmm. at the beginning people's Nashville taste buds chicken, like all that stuff. Y- yep exactly and then you look at the way beer tastes now you know with like Intensely sour beers and hoppy beers. I think people, their palates are just a little bit more adventurous, a maybe a little bit tougher even.
2: So that's interesting because I think a lot of people that I've talked to in the food and drink spaces, you know, they go overseas and it's like, oh, American palates, like they want chicken fingers, like they don't know what they want. And I feel like Chicago being kind of a uniquely, I think we have a very strong international presence just in the neighborhoods. I think chicagoans and maybe that's why it's as successful like we're really into like ooh, this is a funky little thing let me try it but i think the other piece that i'm interested in is since it's been around forever but i feel like in the mid 2000s i want to get a sense of what happened in the mid 2000s to the point where because like what i'm noticing culturally in conversations that i'm having on the street people who are moving here you know there's a lot of people moving to chicago these days people moving here are looking at it as this is a thing you have to do as a chicagoan do you have, like, an, a moment or, like, that, that moment where that became a thing that happened?
0: Yeah, there's a couple things that happened. The one that, that just through, like, a Google search, you can kind of set your time frame on it, is uh, there's a humorist named John Hodgman. I don't mm-hmm. know if you're familiar. He was the PC and the Mac and PC commercials with Justin Long back in the Church day. John, yeah. Yep, you yeah, see, he's got a great podcast. He's just a really funny guy. And, and he's, uh, you know, if he wants to guest on any
1: podcasts, <laughs> I mean, that'd be great. Yeah, John yeah. Hodgman, pull up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and he uh, would do these live shows, and someone brought him a bottle of Malort just as like a gift, and uh, he loved the idea of it so much that he would bring it to other cities, and especially in Chicago, he would basically get the cap and then just throw it into the crowd and then just put the bottle out there, and basically everyone had to finish it before he would like move on with the show. So he basically just got a knife and just stabbed all the life rafts, you know? What I mean? and <laughs> burn the boats. Yeah, burn the boats. burn the boats. <laughs>
2: can't cap it up that's actually yeah. uh, a buddy of mine he calls it the fun stopper
1: the cap on a bottle so you know you get go. rid of that yeah you don't want one of those all right no, who wants a fun stopper?
0: <laughs> and like that would have been like 2006 2007 mm-hmm. and then I don't even know if this website still exists but it's a site that image sharing site called Flickr and mm-hmm. basically this was I believe it was the first site to ever utilize the hashtag system but people would put pictures of Malort faces which are reaction photos and then just tag it with Malort face and it became this gigantic pool of these images and that was so easily shareable and it was so funny and uh, you could vote on which ones were the best and all that. So that was the beginning of like the social experiment. And that's when I sort of came online. I'd had a shot before then, you know, but I kind of realized that there was something really special about all this and then I started uh, marketing the brand on my own without the permission of the company. And uh, (laughs) You went rogue? uh, Yeah,
2: I did. So you were literally like, you were an influencer before influencing. You were just like, no, 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 we're talking about this
0: product without you. Yeah, and obviously I wasn't able to monetize it really. Um, But um, we used to run a comedy show at this bar I used to work at, and we would give little note cards and little shot glasses of Malort to everybody. And they would drink them, and then they would write down like a slogan or what they thought it tasted like, and then we'd pass the cards up and read like the top five. And they were funnier than the comedians we had paid fifty bucks to be there. <laughs> so it was just—it was so simple. Um,
1: Do you remember any of the, uh, the the DIY slogans?
0: Um, what's your what's your uh, standards and practices you on can curse, content? It's you go crazy, explicit
1: go crazy. Uh, content welcome. Yeah.
0: Well, um, the one that really stuck out to me is um, it tastes like driving through Gary, Indiana, in a convertible with your mouth open. Oh. Um,
1: <laughs> I've, I've never done that. I, always, yeah. I keep, I keep the windows rolled up when I'm going through Gary. I don't know.
0: And uh, another one is uh, Malort. Uh, tonight's the night you fight your dad. <laughs> 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 um, that's, that's pretty good. And yeah. then uh, the in terms of like the flavor description, another one is uh, Malort. It tastes like a Werther's original that's already been in an old man's mouth. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's, that is evocative i can i yeah. can taste that
2: uh it's funny i've described my lord a couple of different ways uh, i've described it as what it would taste like if a robot peed in your mouth oh that's good um i had i was like malort tastes like if a grapefruit <laughs> if a grapefruit was a terrorist yeah yeah um, grapefruit, grapefruit, grapefruit like, comes back help, yeah Yeah. grapefruit will come back and it's like Taken um, is it ever yeah.
1: used as a uh, as a mixer or like a, as a traditional liqueur would be d- in a cocktail?
0: Yeah, it is, and kind of back to like the whole. I think Chicago is a city built on a challenge. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. I think the the city itself it it it's an affront to your masculinity. You know, I mean, it's it definitely you have to kind of prove your metal. And so, as a if you are a cocktail mixologist or just your standard neighborhood bartender to make a palatable cocktail with my is like the ultimate flex, you know, because <laughs> if you get a 12 year old bourbon, it's not hard to make that yeah. taste good. Yeah. Put a yeah. dash of bitters in there and you're, you're, you're done. You yeah. put it in the glass. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there are some great cocktails, but Back to the grapefruit thing. It's very comfortable with citrus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't mix it with like dairy or anything like so that. No <laughs> malort white Russians. No. Ugh. Can you imagine that? Oh,
1: god. I do like a white Russian. Actually, I'm gonna man. I'm
2: gonna brand that right now. So a white Russian with malort in it. We're calling it Wisconsin's Revenge.
1: <laughs> wow. Yep. That's and it. so, so tell me about the the Chicago handshake. How did that
0: come about? Yeah. So there's actually um, a mutual friend of me and Ernest. Yeah. Uh, a Guy named uh, Adam Melbert. Big he was, Adam. Yep. Uh, the Viking, yeah. He was um working for Old Style, and um, the two of us just thought that these two iconic Chicago brands, like how are we going to make one plus one equal three yeah. on this? And so we decided that there's a history of challenge coins, which were used by the military, firefighters, police officers, and we thought that when it comes to Malort, like, there's no strangers in foxholes. Like, everyone is pretty tight because they've experienced this, like, light trauma together yeah. you know by doing these shots <laughs> ptsd and um so we got those these beautiful like enamel um gold not really gold but they're gold um tinted coins and they had a serial number on them so the lower the number that means the the uh, the faster you were to get them because yeah. it was a scavenger hunt essentially we had five different bars in the city and you get a little passport and they would stamp it you know like mm-hmm. a sub, like a subway sandwich card or whatever and then at the last bar you'd get your coin so it was like wasn't given away for free. He actually right. had to show some initiative. And right. I think that was a good kind of kind of limiter to make sure that it wasn't just people just grabbing them by the handful, right. you know, yeah. selling them on eBay.
2: I still have my coin, number 007.
1: Wow. Yeah. yeah that's, that's a good right. one.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Um I to so that yeah, point though, really quick. Culturally I think one of the things that's interesting around a city like Chicago, we always say, you know, it's the biggest small town excuse me, the biggest small town in America. And I think that kind of ethos is something that has endeared Malort to a new generation, the kids who came up underneath us, who are now like, that's a thing you do. Mm-hmm. You get a shot of Malort in an old style, now you're a Chicagoan. And so what I've, I, I'm i kind of impressed because I think it's A, because I was so close to it, but also B, because watching culture affect business in real time is not something I think a lot of people see. And so it's cool to be able to say like, no, this is a cultural event, that is now leading to people purchasing this thing. I, for one, have definitely taken it when I go to New York or LA to mess with people. We took a bunch of bottles down to Austin, Texas, for South by, and just like went in a bar and a guy was like, "Are you trying to like mess with us? Like what the fuck?" Like, but I think the business of cultures is so important, but you need the culture first.
0: Yeah, it has to be tethered to something real, and um, and even then, it's still really tricky because people. Consumers can sniff out something that's bullshit really, really quickly, especially in Chicago. Yeah, especially in Chicago, and uh, just it organically coming down to like Austin, for example. Now you can actually get it in Austin, and it's because that 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 trail got blazed, um, and so it it was never like we had like salespeople going down there and all that stuff. It just it really sprung out of just genuine sharing. And one of
2: the things I always we tell people about malert who don't live here is the fact that it's only well that's interesting to know because I think a lot of people assume it's only in Chicago which I think also adds to the cultural mystique like it's you know it used to only be sold here
0: for yeah for 90 years you know yeah and then eventually we just decided that, that you know there's Chicago it's all over the country you know what I mean and they they'd get homesick and there's really no mm-hmm. effective way to have it mailed to you you can't really can't yeah. mail booze it's yeah. just really hard so we decided you know we'll just put it in a few liquor stores there and see what happens and then it ended up in some of the bars, but. No matter where it went it was always connected to chicago in some mm-hmm. way it doesn't just spring out of the ground it's always somebody that's already there
2: so to that point i mean is it's so where is it is it, what states are, is it sold in now
0: so right now i believe if this is the complete list so it's um it's going to be illinois wisconsin uh delaware which is basically dc um it's in louisiana for new orleans uh specifically um texas Kansas, believe it or not, Wow! and uh, Missouri, all I right. believe. And there might be We're adding them all the time. So
2: I mean, all of those places have concentration. And I can think of at least two Chicagoans I know in every single one of those cities or states you mentioned. So it's like, it makes sense that the footprint still tracks to like where
1: Chicagoans are. I mean, they all have WGN. It's everywhere. It's so. <laughs> true. I mean, wherever
0: WGN is <laughs> There's Cubs fans all over the country just yeah. because, by virtue, it was like it was the Atlanta Braves and the Cubs that's because it's the, 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 the only the only one yeah. you get. Yeah. 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 yeah,
2: so that's that's so fascinating. So I think one of the things I'm also really excited to learn and 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 feel free to provide some insight on this is when it comes to the work that you were doing around like making this more of a cultural you know icon within the city. Did
0: you find
2: that it was easier to go into a bar and push this stuff because they already had some sort of familiarity with it?
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing about, you know, when you're selling alcohol, you have got on-premise, which is basically where it's like a bar or restaurant, and then off-premise, which is a liquor store. And so off-premise was always a little bit harder because the person would buy the bottle and they would just leave and do all their experimenting and mirth and and, and mayhem at home. But the bar, it was actually enjoyed on-site, you know where the bartenders could watch groups of people do it. And so they just had a higher sense of awareness where liquor stores, it's, it's just, it's a little bit more removed from that. And so bars were always a lot easier. Um, and then you can't really sample like at liquor stores, like you like the clerk probably isn't gonna do a shot, um, but in the bars, you know, you'd go to like the bartender and say, you know, who's your biggest cheapskate customer? You know, and they go, oh, it's Dave at the end of the bar. And I'm like, here, why don't you give them a shot of this? And so you give the bartender like this little Toy, you know, or weapon, or whatever you want to call it, and it starts there. But eventually, it'll land in the lap of somebody that generally likes it for what it is, you know. But the the entry point is always is, is the challenge aspect of it, because that's that's what is going to take us around the world. You know. So,
1: so if the challenge is the essence of the brand, right, and and part of that is is wrapped up in the the flavor, right. Um, if the challenge is the essence of the brand, where does the brand go from here, right? I'm thinking if if you are a brand strategist or if you're you know who you are a cultural ambassador um thinking about different ways that the brand can can be a challenge like is there a uh, a future in malort uh outside of the the traditional bottle and at the uh, bar or liquor store
0: well yeah i mean so essentially the message won't change too much it's just going to be kind of like a little bit of a pivot so the challenging aspect of the liquor it was at first it was like, oh, this liquor is so bad. But for the people that drink it and enjoy it, it's not about how bad the liquor is. It's about how strong and how special you are as a consumer that you can enjoy it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's not a complete 180. It just kind of changes the the method um, and the message, you know. Gotcha.
1: And, and as far as like other like like. How is how is Malure, is malert made still in the traditional method uh, mm-hmm. here in Chicago?
0: Yeah, and Carl Gibson's recipe hasn't changed since like 1909. So it's made, what you would have today would taste almost exactly the same as what you would have had back then. Wow. I mean, as time goes on, you know, the Wormwood itself is, uh, it is an agricultural product. So perhaps that could change over time, mm-hmm. you know, maybe there's like some crazy GMO. <laughs> oh. yeah. Where I went out there is, okay. is Malort organic non-GMO, yeah, like is free this, range. Is this
2: gluten
1: free?
0: Uh, it is gluten free, <laughs> yeah. which is nice. Technically, all spirits are gluten free unless they add gluten back in afterwards. <sighs> uh, Tito's and all that stuff, you know, they purport themselves to be gluten free, but it's like, yeah, it's, everything is. You yeah, know?
1: exactly. That's like an avocado saying it's so, cholesterol. That's actually interesting right.
2: because from you would think that vice businesses wouldn't care about those kind of popular health virtues trends. yeah virtues you know but i think it's it's interesting because like a, a liquor brand branding themselves as gluten-free seems as backwards to me because it's, it's like it's still vodka bro like you're not like you're not gonna run a 10k after chugging one of these you know maybe you will i mean shout out to people who do that I, but
1: i would drink after the 10k i would yeah i would flip it but I don't know if I'd it's a controversial malort. stance we yeah wow.
0: there's a Mal- that's a malort five k and instead of water stations they have malort shots is there really yeah oh my god I is was, was, was it, is it like a, what it's like it's off the grid like we 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 <laughs> never like specifically could endorse it yeah but we just let it exist, you know. That's actually okay. Another, so this is a yeah. homegrown thing. This uh-huh. is some, yeah. it's it's, like through a yeah. neighborhood, yeah. 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 Malort some street corporate shit, yeah.
1: uh, HQ there <laughs> waving. Malort the corporate <laughs> HQ. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
2: You can't see it, but Sam's in a full uh, suit and tie right now. Um, really quickly, because there's so many I've noticed, and I wanted to get a sense of your, or at least the brand's participation. But there's a Malort Fest that's coming up. Yep. There's a couple of those little activations, like this 5K. Like, are you? kind of like do your thing we're not gonna sponsor it but like we're proud of you kind of thing
0: well it depends on what the event is right like Mm -hmm. we have to make sure that if we're involved directly that it's being consumed in a in a relatively you know safe manner you know so So people running with like heat stroke you know like (laughs) drinking alcohol can't really get behind that but we basically again back to the organic aspect of it is we do throw our own events but it always works out better if the bar itself comes conceives the idea mm-hmm. and then they look for brand support because that way everything just feels natural and feels right and we don't want to go in there and put a big banners everywhere and all that stuff and make announcements over the microphone people that, that but we just would want to be there and you know i'll bring yeah. my ice to bring a camera and a laptop and we would do like malort face uh like photo booth type pictures and i had a little printer that would print out like polaroid sized pictures and all oh, that cool. stuff so just we're just kind of on the s- sidelines just enjoying ourselves you know but we don't we don't want to be right smack in the center of everything
2: okay so that's a, I mean that's interesting too because the business side of it I think a lot of the distribution piece once the you know the booze is in the bar you're kind of unless you're doing like an activation you're kind of just letting it go um but I, I think it's fascinating that you can be like oh we're gonna pull up here and like actually I think that's a it's a, it's an attraction. Like if I found out Malort was going to be somewhere, I'd be like, all right, let's go. You know what I
1: mean? Right. And uh, I'm I'm thinking, what is the uh, what is the next tradition that Malort becomes part of? Like, it is in, it is on premise, it's off premise. Is it like, are you thinking about like? Is there a family aspect of this around the holidays, right? Like yeah, a, a the Malort, Malort Christmas campaign coming up? home yeah. challenge, right? Like, oh, wow. the, like the Like the the tagline you mentioned, Malort, it's yeah. it's time, what, time to kill your dad. Or time t- to, time to kill it's your dad. Time to get in a fight with your Spotted dad. Sponsored by the Menendez brothers. Yeah, exactly. right? <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. Right. But can you imagine uh, a, uh, a Thanksgiving Eve, right? Yeah. Wednesday before Thanksgiving is the biggest drinking oh, it's night wild, yeah. in in America, right? It is yeah. bigger than St. Patrick's Day. It's bigger than New Year's Eve because all your friends and your family are back in your hometown. I think is- it's a great
2: challenge for, like, instead of Turkey Bowl, as you get older, like, I can't be out here catching fade routes. I'm, I'm too old now. Well, let's What's do- Turkey Bowl? Turkey Bowl is, like, you know, right before our Thanksgiving, everybody's back in town or in the city, and you have a football game.
1: Oh, like an actual—you go out uh, yeah. there and throw the football.
2: And where I grew up, it would be the older kids versus the younger kids. So like you'd be going up against your bigger brother, uh, um, or it's just like kids used to play on the football team versus. Like, We'd play tackle at least. Oh yeah, did, we did. Yeah. Oh yeah. And people oh, yeah. got people got wrecked. And like you, yeah. And like you quickly learn that no one is athletic anymore because like people would have like sprained Achilles <laughs>
1: tendons, and like go to the hospital on Thanksgiving. People already know that about me. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah,
0: yeah, you're, you're hardcore. <laughs> yeah, the the, 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 uh, the older that I got, like, because we, we could actually play at the actual like the middle school. You know, oh like, yeah, shoes, no like, for sure. Same. And stuff, and like the locker room smelled so strongly of Tiger Bomb. Like on our yeah. side, it's just everyone was just just knee braces. It's and, so funny. Yeah,
2: it's like and shout out to home of Lostmore because that's where the region I came up in. And if anybody wants some smoke this Thanksgiving, come holla at me. Um, but I think. Nice. This is a question I had around just Malort itself. I think in my experience to it, it's been something that's been kind of focused towards guys, right? It's like the guy thing. And I know a lot of women who drink it actually, like casually, which is cool. But I think it's a situation where do you feel like Malort is something where – people who aren't necessarily into spirits, it's like an entry point. So, like, you know, a person of color, uh, a woman, somebody who not necessarily is the target demographic for a lot of booze companies, do you think Malort's a great entry point for
0: that? Well, it certainly gets all the awkward kind of warm-up out of the way, you know? Because, I mean, if you can handle more there's not much you can't handle. You know what (laughs) I mean? Like It's a perfect first date drink? Yeah, it's like, it's it's really, it cuts uh, cuts to the chase pretty fast. And, um... In terms of it, like being marketed towards guys, I think it's just the natural tendency of guys to kind of want to show off a little bit more yeah. than, than girls might. Yeah. Um. But as time goes on, like that, you're seeing less and less of that, and it's more. It's a communal thing. So it's brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles. You know. Yeah. Now, here's a question for you. I, I, I know you're aware
1: of this. Everybody is aware of how much good has been done for. You know the fashion industry, uh, certain luxury car brands, definitely certain luxury uh, alcohol brands, by name checks in rap songs.
0: <laughs> and That's interesting. I, yeah. My
1: question for you: Has it hurt the brand that Malort is hard to rhyme?
0: Yeah, it's not like. Party and Bacardi, you yeah, know what I mean? Like yeah. they, they, they really, yeah, they killed it. They, they plan that out at
1: yeah. Bacardi's like original visioning meetings in like 1860. <laughs> They're like, what rhymes Havana? with
2: Bacardi? <laughs> Party, let's do it. There's going to be a music forum. It's 175 years from now. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait.
0: Yeah, my Lord, Yeah, it doesn't. Really, it doesn't rhyme with anything. So you know? my
2: Lord, let's think. Of what, what rhymes with my uh, Action like p- sport. Action p- sport.
0: Pillow pillow fort. Pillow fort. Cohort. Cohort, um, yeah.
1: let's see jansport
0: the jansport. the
1: backport, back brand you get your malort in your jansport look at yeah. that you beastie boy yeah.
0: rockport shoes run rockport. rockport yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- these sh- i don't know we yeah. gotta figure it out kyle make Ort- your shit Ort- in your shorts yeah. kyle
2: orton <laughs> <laughs> former bears quarterback <laughs> kyle orton um also, this is an open call out to anyone who's listening to Office Hours who wants to make a rap song about my lord. You should give it to our man Sam yeah, here. We will Definitely.
1: guaranteed use that for our intro. Yes, for sure. Guaranteed, guaranteed for one episode. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it it rhymes with uh, coming into port. Yeah, get the the navel. <laughs> Jean shorts. Uh, yep. I, I might I might be done now. Shorts.
2: J- I can't I can't as a I can't rap with, right, we'll, we'll, with jorts. We'll have
1: a separate meeting. Yeah, us. we're gonna we're going
2: we're gonna, gonna powwow well after this. <laughs> Um, Sam, one more thing that I really need to address, and I'm really excited about it. Malort has some of the most interesting partnerships. There's a Malort hot sauce. Mm -hmm. I mean, can you talk to some of the the, the strategy behind the partnerships? Because I know a lot of boozes, you see it now, we're like, put bourbon in your barbecue sauce. And it's like, that makes sense, right? Yeah. But with Malort, like, what is the strategy behind who you partner with?
0: Well, we're lucky enough, or at least I'm lucky enough, that I, I know most of the, the people that activate the brand on their own and on their own time. So we don't get, like, truly cold calls very often. So when I'm hearing from, like, um, the guy who does the Millard Hot Sauce, you know, uh, Kyle Jansen, he's a friend of mine. So it was easy to say yes to that because I know he's an honorable guy. I know he makes good stuff. Um, we haven't quite had that thing where, like, someone kind of comes out of nowhere with, like, a really big proposition, you know? Like, there's been a couple, like, TV shows, like, that show Easy, the Joe Swanberg yeah, show. the show
2: that, like, everybody's, like, there's not real I'm like, yes, it is. It's all of you. It's all of us. It's fine. That's
0: all the bars we go to, yeah. you know? Um, so just little things like that. Like, it was in the movie Drinking Buddies, you know, with Jokes, like Olivia yeah. Wilde and all that stuff. Yeah. So that's, that kind of stuff, that, that makes me really happy. But, yeah, if... I don't know. We've worked with three Floyds where we barrel aged some malort and we gave them the, the barrel that was kind of, kind of sopping wet with the malort, and they put uh, their Dark Lord beer in there, and that was two really big, iconic Chicago, yeah. even though it's you know, you know Indiana, but that's the main market. We claim year. it. That's, a, that's
2: down by Homewood. We claim Dyer. We, we show it, them love. We're Hammond. Is it Hammond or Dyer?
0: Um, it's um, yeah, yeah. it's Hammond. It's Hammond. Yeah. shout out to the monster 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 Monster, that's what i'm an idiot um
1: okay so have uh how about the tattoo scene has anyone got a malort tattoo oh yeah there's like
0: about a hundred of them that i'm aware of yeah nice nice so now
2: is that when it comes to like this is a nice springboard and like the idea of customer loyalty right Mm -hmm. i think you have an advantage in that malort brand evangelists people who love it people who make their people take shots people make strangers take shots are the most diehard MFers I've ever seen yeah. in my life. And so I think to that extent, there are a lot of brands in any any space that want that kind of brand evangelism. I mean, it doesn't seem like you're out here like grabbing influencer A, B, or C. You're just saying, hey, this is a thing we have, you know, get with it or don't. How Was that intentional?
0: Well, I, I think the reason why people are so rabid about it and so loyal to it is because it's so, so strange, you know what I mean? And it's not like they're like, you know, like looking out for its best interest. Like it's like an under, it's like it's not really an underdog necessarily. But I mean, it, it's hard to like think of someone getting like uh, an Oberweis 2% milk tattoo. You know what I mean? Like it has to be something that is really intense and really unique. And I think it just it's just it's built into the DNA of the thing.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So last question and then we'll let you do your thing here. What do you feel? would be the perfect brand to partner with. It could be any brand ever.
0: Oh. I would say um, a musical act. Like, I would say Gawar would be pretty good.
1: Hell, what yeah. What about Gary, Indiana? Like Freddie Gibbs? Like a, a official... The uh, official
2: drink of Gary, Indiana. The
1: official... Uh, well, I mean, I think you could... I mean,
2: liquor-wise, you can make a claim for it. The official drink of Chicago, the official... It's... Yeah.
0: Yeah, put it, the mini bottles. I like to see the mini bottles in the fridges, um, in the hotels. Yeah, I'd like to see it on a few airplanes too. Oh wow, get a little like flights to Chicago. Yeah, ah,
1: it's a United Airlines partnership. Right, there we go, the Mayor Lightfoot.
2: If you are listening, let's get it. <laughs> let's just figure it out.
0: Oh, but and I'll I'll leave you with this one. This is not a this is not a partnership at all. It's just really strange and fascinating. So the Swedish malort is the Swedish word for wormwood. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Either one of you know what the Russian word for Wormwood is. I do. Chernobyl. Chernobyl. How about that? Really? Yeah. That's crazy. I did not know that.
2: That's topical so and I, there's, terrifying. There's
0: not going to be a season two of that show. I don't think it's possible, but yeah. <laughs> it's kind of hard to. It's kind of hard to. All right, guys, we're spinning it off.
2: <laughs> interestingly <laughs> enough,
1: interestingly enough, in the movie Hot Tub Time Machine, oh, God. the yeah. catalyst for the for turning the hot tub into a time machine was a – the, the energy drink. An yeah. energy, energy liquor that I think was modeled on 4 Loco, mm-hmm. love me some 4 Loco. RIP 4 Loco. It Loko. was called Chernobyl. Mm hmm. Which right. makes it. maybe baby, throwing
0: out music Cause, cause, <laughs> random movie trivia because <laughs> <laughs> four loco did have wormwood in it so it was alcohol Wait, what it was alcohol caffeine taurine and 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 wormwoods so that's Dude, the four and four loco or, Wait, original no, what? no 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 no
1: the four and four loco means it is for making you go loco <laughs> <laughs> it is the original formula for <laughs> loco that, stuff's that stuff that's not legitimacy.
2: i went to a party in, in Humboldt park and it had to be like 2009 And they had a fountain of four loco it was like flowing and i remember when i worked at red eye we used to we got the word that it was getting banned and like this is definitely like insider trading but we were like oh we all just like left the office and ran to liquor stores and just like i bought a case i literally was like give me the case do you do
1: you still have any no
2: i gave it away for christmas gifts for probably four years (laughs) <laughs> even way after I should have because some people just want to have it like the original can and like they don't open it like you know you can buy like a crystal pepsi from like 1993 on ebay right now sure. but it's the same kind of thing and I think it's fascinating because like the demand was like oh god we got to get it it's not going to be here anymore and I think my is one of those things where if you haven't had it the the demand like kind of makes you go like oh shit I gotta try it but if you have had it, you're like, hey, you should try this. I, I got a question.
1: Was the, was the Malort lobby behind getting Four Locos squashed? No. The, the, big, big Wormwood? Big yeah, Wormwood. Big Wormwood, yeah.
0: I can't, uh, I can't yeah, yeah, come on, on, on out. Oh, yeah. no, no comment. You're getting right. whacked. All what
2: right. are you doing? <laughs> All right. Sam, thank you so much for being here, man. We really appreciate your time. This is a fantastic interview. I really appreciate learning a lot more about this drink that I still drink somehow. But I, I promise you, if you know me in real life and we go to a bar and you've never been in Chicago before, you're taking a shot. Just get used to it. It's okay.
1: It's fine. It's fine. It's, it's going to be okay. Yeah.
2: All right. This is Office Hours. I'm Ernest Wilkins. And I'm Alex Menokel. We will see you next time. Bye. That is hey. 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 What, 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 what up, time? Feel what i'm feeling all right now that we on the same page all right look hey hey Making that classic shit, rapping on some sad kids Immaculate, maggot and Spaz and laughing at all these average kids Be with the baddest bitch, style so miraculous and you heard me spit but you don't even know the half of it Keep it funky, hungry like I need some money cheapie, so my speech is funny, own it like it's bees and honey Beetle the and dummy, tryna take some cheese up from me Yeah they hate me but they love me, I be sillier than putty Motherfucker, y'all be shape-shifting, hate spittin' But with them whack bars, take pictures with eight bitches Boy, we some rap stars, used to fuck around and just kick it in my backyard, now I'm Roll,
0: office hours with ernest wilkins was recorded live at mass in the greatest city in the world chicago usa